This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vols. Hello everyone and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. As I always am and hopefully always will be, my name is Lyle Fulton and I'm joined this week once again by the wonderful Jackie Vores. Jackie, in traditional Rest is PR fashion, how are you this fine Friday morning? Again, we promised we'd never Friday. do another morning recording, but it is a Friday. Friday. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling great. Yeah. But a very busy week, but it's been a good week, a really good week. So Fantastic. yeah, all good. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of weirdly the same. We promised in a previous episode uh, with the lovely Ben that we wouldn't do a morning record again. You were like, not in the morning, never in the morning again. But, <laughs> or was it, no, actually, no, it was you said, no, not on a Monday, not on a Monday. That was I it. I said not, not on a Monday. Monday. I don't mind it. the morning so much, but. I, Mornings are fine. Yeah. Mornings are fine. Mondays yeah. are mental. I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good. Like it's it's a really beautiful sort of slightly overcast day outside. Friday morning, crisp Friday morning. I love this kind of weather as well. I love when we're in the build up to Christmas. So yeah, I'm feeling pretty good myself. And allegedly, the too. hottest year we're gunning for the hottest year on record. I believe so. going up to twenty degrees at some stage next week. Which is I mean that's mental. extraordinary, isn't it? I mean I don't really understand what the weather happens to be doing. I mean the vast no, majority I mean, of all our London is fellow climate change concerned people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean they seem to be, and credit to them for for the cause, <laughs> for the cause. I credit yeah. you. From a PR standpoint, um, I'm not sure that they're really knocking it out of the park. It's a though. bit of a nightmare, isn't it? It really is. I mean, well, this is actually interesting. Because they put idiots up to talk about the cause who just sort of almost too passionate. I'm not like idiots. Idiots is a strong word. Mm. But people who are too <laughs> impassioned and less considerate of the balance of an argument. So to be able to counterpoint sensibly, mm. it's all down to sort of, you know, they, they try the shock horror tactic which just aren't working from a messaging perspective. 100%. And, of course, if you turn public opinion against you by stopping people getting to funerals, stopping hosp- you know uh, ambulances getting to hospitals, you've got to have pretty good spokespeople who are mm. pretty well on message to explain the... Ser- we all know the seriousness of the situation. There's a lot of people that have, including myself, who are completely with the cause and wanting to do as much as we can personally to prevent this disaster. But on the other hand, if you're going to take such drastic measures, you have to know your arguments well. And the yeah. people they're trotting out to go on television, like on GMTV and stuff. Is it GMTV? Good Morning Britain. Good Morning Is Britain, GMB? Yeah. They're just being annihilated by presenters like mm. Susanna and Ben. They're just absolutely being annihilated. And it's I'm finding it a little bit hard as well. You know, it's really interesting. Let's let's talk about this for a bit. We do have a topic, listeners. I promise you. Well, actually, we're this get could onto, play into the topic. It does play into it a little bit because we're actually yeah. talking about um, strategic communications this week, listeners, and we're going to get onto that sort of in a more theoretical, specific standpoint in just a moment. But I'm finding it really difficult to. I'm quite lucky. I haven't been caught in the most recent set of traffic disruption, mm. um, but my wife has on the way into rehearsals for the show she's in, oh, um, which I will plug at some point on the podcast. Oh, yes. Um, do but, um, it's really good. Um, yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, I'm in the car and maybe my mind drifts when I'm in free flowing traffic to the state of the world. And, and the world is, you know, struggling, you know, kind of from an economic perspective, from a, you know, environmental perspective. And occasionally my mind might drift to the environmental. You know, I'm with you. I, I really do believe 
in that cause. And I believe we need to sort of take very urgent action, how we live our lives. And then I hit, you know, Staples Corner before I get onto the M1. Or I hit, you know, the That's North Circular. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or I, for anybody for example, who's listening from abroad, the M1, M25, there are big motorways in, yeah. in the UK. And they're pretty grim most of the yeah. time when it comes to traffic. They're, they're, they're big motorways 99.5% of the time. And 0.5% of the time, our global audience, uh, they be- just become very, very big car parks uh, because you just can't get anywhere and you're in standstill. And for example, in the last couple of weeks, it's well, this last week, it's been the M25. And if I was hypothetically to hit the M25, my mind would drift less to how urgent the need is for action in protecting our environment And it might just ever so slightly drift to, although I like to think I'm quite a docile person, get out of the road because you're in my way and you're inconveniencing me. And so I I, I find that kind of practice Yeah, so these eco-warriors who are gluing themselves, again, we need to give a bit of context, don't we? We have eco-warriors climbing bridges over large motorways, like climbing the Dartford Bridge. Uh, I think it's the Queen Elizabeth Bridge, isn't it? Or unfurling banners over gantries, over motorways, or gluing themselves to motorways in some cases, Mm. are just bringing the traffic in and around London to a standstill. Mm. And I think everybody has a certain amount of sympathy for, well, a, a great amount of sympathy and agree with the cause. But they're taking it one step too far. And they are trying to compare themselves to like the big movements like Martin Luther King or like uh, the suffragettes. Mm. And they're trying to compare themselves to the drastic measures that were taken by the suffragettes, for example, to get the vote for women. But they aren't really, their drastic actions, in my view, aren't really directly comparable with that and can't be because we're living in a completely different time. And they're just seeing, they just seem to be turning people against their cause. And, you know, giving a lot more sway to the people who are climate change deniers. And it's just it's just very disappointing when you see them trying to throw paint over a beautiful work of art or. Yeah. Or, um, or you know. Yeah. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, but that in itself. OK, let's talk about drastic action. I really believe in protests. I believe in the freedom of speech. Mm. And, you know, there are many moral dilemmas around those two things. But. You know, there is taking things too far and strategically, she says, segueing into um Proud of you. Topic. Proud of that use of the segue. Proud of you. <laughs> Proud of you. I'm doing a lyre <laughs> with the segue. <laughs> strategically, it doesn't seem very thought through. Hmm. I think organization-wise, they put all their organization into the creation of these stunts and putting together all their people and making sure their people are in the right place. And I know they have comms because they have been communicating to journalists that they are going to do a stunt somewhere. So the journalists will come out and cover it, Mm. but they haven't thought beyond their protests, their stunts. They haven't thought beyond how they're going to message what they need to to get people to really understand their cause mm. and that's their that is actually these eco warriors a very good example of unstrategic communications there you go they're just going at it throwing everything at you know it's almost like that whole kind of like scattergun like throwing enough something at the wall and hoping something will stick that's exactly their approach and that is the wrong way 
to get your message across. Because I found a definition of strategic communications online whilst I was doing my research. Oh, you're doing everything by the book. Well, yeah, then. exactly. Well, there you go. I'm trying. I'm trying to. In so far as, <laughs> but I mean, ultimately, the ensuing you know twenty minutes, half an hour will show that I'm kind of very prone to also deviating from that sort of well-trodden <laughs> path, that book. But this definition I found, I found several, obviously, because there are, you know, 150 million different ways to reinvent the wheel when it comes to types of PR. I'm sure there are. Yeah. Um, but this particular definition was that strategic communications is the purposeful use of communication by an organization to fulfill its mission, whatever that mission may be. Now, in this particular instance, listeners, this group of protesters whose cause, I must reiterate, I am massively in favour of in terms of the need to protect our environment and to put mechanisms in place to stop what we're careering towards in terms of um, how our environment behaves in the next several hundred thousand years. These, This group of protesters are called Just Stop Oil. So they're about mm. kind of the mining of oil, you know, offshore mining of, of oil and how you know, oil companies are... They just want know, us to just stop the oil industry yeah. in the United Kingdom and go completely towards renewables and yeah. everything else. and, and Renewable resources. Yeah, and they have... Which you know, is fine, which is good, yeah. which I think everyone would agree with. And there are layers to it, right? There are layers because, you know, obviously they, they want to move to renewable energy. There's also mm -hmm. obviously a lot of stigma surrounding how oil companies behave fiscally. <laughs> You know, over the last two, three, five, ten years, you know, that's been a kind of a big political sort of hill that a lot of people from both parties like to die on when it comes to how the oil companies behave as well, economically, which we won't get, you know, sort of too deeply into. But Just Stop Oil are the organisation that are attempting to use a certain method of communication to fulfil a mission to raise awareness. But that's just the point, right, is I kind of hesitated there before raise awareness. Because I am still at a bit of a loss as to what their specific mission is. Now, that's going to sound controversial, but, you know, no, I think I every think step right. of the way, you need to have a detailed understanding of every step of that definition. So purposeful use of communication. So how do you define purposeful and what method of communication you're going to use? Organization, that stands to reason we know who they are. What's the mission? I don't know. You know, that's kind of baffling me. How important is it that you define all of those terms as you follow through on a strategic communications plan, strategy. Yeah, and it's really interesting you say that because everyone might say, well, look, the mission's obvious. It's just stopping oil. But is that the mission or should that be the mission? What, what, you know, what about if they raised their objectives a little bit higher and said, actually, we want the UK to lead the world to show the world how you can do this, how you can be a gleaming example of you know putting everything at the top of the agenda to stop the climate crisis now for me that's a better mission because then they could mold all of their communications around that and they could start with a holistic program not just scare tactics and the disruption and the 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 pain and genuine pain they're causing people which is actually turning people off their cause yeah so the first thing you're so right they need a purpose. They need a mission. Mm. And they need to make sure their mission works and resonates with everybody else. Yeah, you know, they can be... It's like anything. It's like anything in this world. You know, I could say, I like blue. I like the colour blue. And everything has to be blue. 
because I want it to be blue. And it's kind of like that's what they're doing. Mm. We don't want oil. Everybody has to not have oil because we say it. And that's how they're coming across. Now, we know that's not what they're saying. But of course, in the general consciousness, that message is that and it ain't resonating. It's really hard, isn't it? Because I suppose from a PR perspective, you know, when you look at anything in any industry that's PR'd, and for the benefit of the listeners, I've done the kind of quotation marks with my with my hands there. Anything that's PR'd, anything that's put out there to the media, put out there in the public consciousness as something that requires reporting on, a story to be told. How we absorb that information, this sounds very basic and very fundamental and black and white. How we absorb that information is essentially at the heart of communications. How's, how an idea is communicated to us. When I'm trawling through the BBC or any other news outlet, other news outlets are available, um, you know, we're a podcast, we have to be impartial. You know, how I (laughs) absorb that information right now is I roll my eyes. And that's just me being honest. I roll my eyes a bit at that. I shouldn't. I shouldn't really. And and the thing is, is that as I hope, and I hope I'm not being brash and brazen here, as I hope a fairly intelligent individual, I am aware that I shouldn't be doing that i'm aware i shouldn't be feeling like that so it's a really strange dichotomy when it comes to how people are absorbing this information because on the one hand 99.9 percent of the populace maybe that's too large a percentage but a fair proportion of the global populace acknowledge that this is a worthwhile cause again in inverted commas and so you can acknowledge that and understand that that is absolutely the right thing and actually what they're fighting for as an overarching idea is very worthy and very worthwhile but how i'm receiving their methods is in direct opposition to how i should be i should be receiving their methods how i want to be you know i I mean i i I should be going power to you you know and when i see greta thunberg who is a huge environmental campaigner who i'm sure all of our listeners will be aware of stand on these platforms friend of death incredible maybe she can come energy Mr. Barking Electricity, <laughs> maybe she can come on and, you know, bark some ever so slightly more, yeah. you know, sort of, you know, you know, mellow electricity ass. No, maybe that would be a huge key, wouldn't it? But yeah, I see someone like Greta Thunberg, who I respect and appreciate and admire so, so greatly, stand on these platforms in front of all these world leaders and have the bravery and the integrity to go in front of these people and make a stand and kind of leave them hopefully thinking, we know deep down that maybe some of these people are kind of not giving it a second thought the second they leave the, the conference center or wherever it is. But some of them will really take note and some of them are taking note, but she's in front of people, of decision makers, making yeah. a stand, delivering 10, 15, 20 minute speeches about how dire and the situation she came is. To consciousness because she actually organized originally a protest just like yeah. these guys doing which was a school strike yeah and you know her protest was much better thought out because she had innately mm. messaged what she yeah. was doing i do wonder what i mean it's, it's kind of strange to speculate on this and this is a question that i actually haven't even thought of until we've just been speaking about it now it'd be intriguing to know what her take on this type of protest is the kind of disruptive nature of this protest i mean protests by their very nature i'm gonna have to be careful here but i'm gonna go quite philosophical protests by their very nature kind of have to be again i love my quotation marks today disruptive if a protest isn't disruptive in some way then it's kind of just a group of people 
speaking about something. Do you see what I mean? But there are different types of disruption. You can be disruptive to an idea. Do you see what I mean? Protest, being disruptive to an idea via a protest is different to being administratively disruptive. Do you see what I mean? This is disrupting yeah. the very infrastructure of our country. I mean, yeah. people can't see loved ones in hospitals. I mean, people can't get to schools. I mean, people can't get to work. You know, how the nation runs, how our country sort of turns over is being disrupted. Whereas Greta Thunberg, the example you gave, the school strike was disruptive in a different way. Fair enough. It brought a school, you know, to a, to a well, stand let's, still, but let's it, had an, it had an idea, two. you know. Let's, let's compare the two. So if you look at what Greta Thunberg's done, she's combined protest with speaking, with articles, with books, with sort of a very holistic campaign of activity. Now, I don't want to go into the people who are behind her and all that kind of thing, but at the end of the day, what you see with her is consistency, continuity of message, and actually a delivery which is very considered and it's quite simple that anybody can get their heads around. We've talked about messaging a lot when we've been doing the podcasts, but I think the key sort of error that the climate change protesters are making right now is they will make this, they'll throw the stone in the pond. The ripple of consequence will not be very positive because at the end of the day, what else is there? What else are we hearing from them? They have maybe one spokesperson that I've seen who is very offensive when he speaks to people. He talks down to people as if they don't actually understand the seriousness of the situation, mm. which is never going to get you anywhere. If you start talking down to TV presenters and journalists, they're just literally going to tear you apart, which is what is actually happening with their one um, spokesperson mm. who had been a construction worker all his life and bless him you know at least he's standing up and talking yeah and trying to be interviewed at least he's putting himself forward but it was it's so patently obvious that none of them have really collectively thought about their message and how sophisticated you know our media is now and how sophisticated all the channels of communication are that we have at our disposal that you know we use to communicate amongst ourselves and they're almost doing what I say is like the worst thing to do with comms is they're just broadcasting their message via their protests Mm. they're not entering a dialogue and they're not entering they're not creating debate and they're not helping people understand why this is so important no they're just turning people against them so it's kind of like almost pointless which again is going to make the tide of opinion turn against me even further because yeah you know at least if they were doing something again deriving some value from it if they, at least if they had a strategic campaign where they said, okay, we'll have one protest, but we will have everybody lobbying. We'll, we'll run a change.org petition and we'll have everybody lobbying their local MP. We will send out loads of Word document or PDF letter templates so that people can literally write on them t- and put it into their MP's office. Let's create a deluge of uh, video protests and get them on YouTube. Let's do something to gather the public consciousness and get everyone behind us 
But no, they haven't got a mission. They haven't got a strategy. They've got they've got no nothing that that packages around what their sort of central protest is. They've just got a protest. Yeah. And it's just not working. It's a really interesting point you make, actually, because we've spoken a lot, like you mentioned, about preparedness throughout the podcast series. It strikes me that they've prepared the protests. Yeah, really well. meticulously. Yeah. But they haven't prepared anything else. <laughs> Is that right? I mean, they, have, they they literally have not prepared their representatives to go on the telly. They've not prepared the aftermath of these protests when it comes to the press. I mean, how important is that whole I package? think they think that their message is self-explanatory. I think they think that, you know, this is the only way to get people to sit up and take notice yeah. when their daily lives are disrupted. And there is an element of, as you just said, there is an element of veracity in that. Yes, people will notice. But if they don't have anything to follow it up with, if they don't have anything that people who agree with them could do as an action to react, it's a bit like when you have call to actions at the end of something. You do something and you want people to change their perception. You put a call to action at the end of an article. You say, if you're, you know, if you're bothered by this, go to this website. Or if you want to do something with this, do this. There is no call to action. There is no kind of like, hey, guys, if you're concerned about this, go and lobby your MP. If you're concerned about this, we're doing a march. If Mm. you want to help us, here's how to donate. There's nothing. There's nothing anyone can do. It's just there in the ether. You're spot on. There isn't even. I I don't want to sort of bash them too hard at all, because obviously, like I say, it's important to always caveat the fact that in no way do you or I disagree with the overarching cause? It's just the messaging behind it. And obviously we are, you know, our very core PR podcast and, you know, we kind of have to analyze these things, but you're absolutely spot on in what you say. I mean, something that struck me and this again might be a slightly overt point to make, you know, a call to action, for example, is how you could ostensibly get involved in this, but that's not even really being trotted out as a message it's you know it very much seems to me when i see things on twitter which i know particularly now is not the bastion of reliable news um <laughs> that, it, that it once was again inverted commas you know i know obviously there's been takeover situations that's a good thing to talk about at some point as well um that sort of takeover by a somewhat crazed individual of like the biggest platform on planet earth but anyway that's that's a tangent we won't go down today but you know or you know on the bbc you know videos on the bbc videos on you know um, good morning britain videos and other things right they seem to have been a part of this particular organization this charity this lobbying group whatever you want to call them for some time it doesn't strike me that someone could just join it do you see what i mean it's kind Mm. of like because there's also protection issues. You know, they're all wearing the, the, the gear, right? They're all wearing just up oil, branded stash, if you like, branded, you know, shirts, whatever else you want to call it. So they're all on the roads. And because that side of things has been communicated very clearly to the media, and one would imagine if there's any sort of sense to relevant authorities just to be like, you can try and stop it, but we're going to be there. No, but like, they haven't done that. Well, okay, fine, possibly not. But so the authorities arrive and because it's being covered, it's being broadcast, you know, by the media, there's the police against people who are very much in just up or your uniforms. But a call to action could be this is how you get involved. But there hasn't been any of that because it's very much us against them. And that's not. For me, that's if not, I was doing their comms, that's not that's not how you run something like this. This is what like I this. love about our podcast because we 
we are in PR, but we talk generally about how communications are important in any industry, behind any cause, any charity, anything that you do, politics, yeah. communications is so important and it really sits at the heart of it all. And they have a message they want to get across. That's communications. They're using one single thing to communicate with, and that's a protest. Mm. Yeah. Real strategic communications looks at delivering the message with the purpose and looks at how you do that across what channels, how you get people on board, your audiences, you know, what their proclivities are, what they are interested in, and how you bring them to your cause. And these eco-warriors have done none of that. None of that. Yeah. The whole kind of discovery side of things that we spoke with Ben in a previous episode of the podcast as well. I mean, not that I'm for a second saying, go out and do some market research on how sitting in the road is going to go down. Um, You know, (laughs) because I imagine that'd be a fairly quick an effortless market <laughs> research period and the results you get back i imagine would be predictable but like the whole idea of like discovery when it comes to you know a plan you know like you know getting some allies in the media getting some you know spokespeople who are in the public eye you know going and doing that yeah. before you before you do the practical before you do the you know the in person the very visible thing that you're always planning on doing go and do something else and and this is the thing. It's really interesting. You know, we've we've had a few of these sort of situations before earlier this year. Uh, Insulate Britain, for example, mm. um, you know, um, um, it wouldn't surprise me again, not in a bad way, if a lot of the same people who, you know, campaigned and protested for Insulate Britain are also campaigning for Just Up Oil. That's yeah. totally fair enough. That's kind of the space you operate in, you know, in terms of your belief system. But Insulate Britain sat on the roads. And now just stop oil sitting on the roads. So it's also like cool. Like Well, I think it, they've seen I mean? it as as you know, from their perspective, all we want to do is get attention. Mm. All we want to do is get in the media. And if that's their objective, they have achieved that objective. Mm. Their objective setting is clearly in terms of achieving your objective, that's great. But it's should that be their only objective surely they should Mm. want to win hearts and minds yeah surely that should be their objective that's it surely they should want to turn everybody to becoming the ambassadors for their cause yeah and i think their objective setting is short of the mark they need to to raise their objectives and want to have everybody on their side now if they had everyone on their side and they did a protest then the government would sit up yeah. The government's just sitting there rubbing their hands going, everybody hates them. And, you know, great. You know, they're just Which annoying, they're an irritation. Mm. And so so that it means that they're not under any pressure to put push things up their, their agenda. Yeah. So it's terrible. And when you look at the media, now this is interesting as well. So let's look at their objective of just getting media attention. This last protest that they did on the M25, the media was warned in advance. And a journalist from LBC, which is a big radio station, part of the Globals Network in the UK, a journalist called Charlotte, I've forgotten her surname, but she went to report on one of the protests and she was literally just filming and live reporting. She wasn't on the motorway. She was just watching one of just a, a single protester unfurl a banner on a bridge over a motorway. Charlotte and Lynch. She, Charlotte Lynch. Yeah. She, as a journalist, was approached by the police 
they asked her what she was doing. She said, I'm a journalist, showed her press card, said, I've been told that they were going to be on this bridge, so I've come here to report. They arrested the journalist as being, I think it was something to do with conspiracy to commit a public offence because she knew that they were going to do it. So she came down to report. And so the media agenda, the the actual media just turned to the very stupid arrest of the journalist. So the messaging of that particular protest was completely lost because the media just focused on one of their own being arrested for reporting on it. And also it's an understanding of, we mentioned this in a previous episode as well, doing a lot of callback today, but I think it's fantastic. You outlined that we now live in an age of the attention economy. Yeah. And that was when we spoke about it before, that was kind of in the context of, you know, character limits on tweets and getting your marketing and your your messaging out there in a digital space in kind of a less a partisan environment than the one we're discussing today but i think that point that you made so brilliantly earlier in the podcast series stands true with this there was a fact there was a video of one of these campaigners on a bridge preventing traffic from getting past disrupting people getting to wherever they needed to get to where she's on video saying i just wish i know you're angry with me but i just wish you'd direct that anger at the politicians who aren't taking enough action. In and of itself, a worthwhile point. I do understand that, right? Okay, it's it's right to be angry at the decision makers who aren't doing enough right now. And I totally believe that. And I will stand on that hill and bellow that out for as long as I'm around, because I do think more needs to be done. Fair enough. But on a somewhat flip side, we exist in an attention economy. You know, the age of the attention economy. I feel similarly to those who are on that bridge who are on that road i'm kind of only cerebrally if that's even a word able to be angry at something that's kind of directly in front of me that's angering me so Mm. when i'm sitting at home on my todd or you know with my partner with my family and we're having a cup of tea and we're watching the telly my mind like i said earlier can drift to being angry at the state of the world but sat in my car in standstill traffic I'm only really able to be angry at you Mm. for what you're doing to me right in this moment, right here, right now. And that's a very, very strong, powerful feeling Mm. that then might last long enough to allow me to continue to be angry about that when I could be being angry at what you want me to be angry at. You see what I mean? And that's where the messaging is so confused is that actually I feel like their objective is that you want me to be angry at them but I'm angry at you. And I don't understand how they're getting that so confused. Yeah. You know, and it needs it needs to be, you know, kind of better prepared, better communicated. You know, they, they can do this at times when it's less disruptive. You see what I mean? They, they're obviously yeah. doing it at the time where they're, it's at the most disruptive. I think the I don't thing that they would say to us is, mm. well, we don't have the luxury of money. You know, we are not, we are poor. We don't have the luxury of being able to employ an agency, mm. a communications agency. But I fundamentally disagree with that argument as well Mm. because they are they do have the luxury of their brains and it is just common sense if you think it through yeah what do you want to achieve how is it best to achieve it and if you do really want to put a protest in that that's fine yeah if you make sure you have everything else working 
around it and if you think yeah. through the consequences of every action because a protest in it is in itself a communication yeah exactly so it's, it's, so it's a key method of communication it is a it's a method of communication so mm. if they don't have everything clear that packages that communication correctly mm. it's a worthless communication it's yes, like me right. running down the street stalkers going where is that going to get me no i might get something out of it i might think yes i've got a lot of attention and everybody's just gonna go who's the nutter and it might get some into the local westcombe newspaper Mm. but at the end of the day it's going to drop and nothing is achieved yeah and that's what we want with strategic communications we have to look at our objective setting we have to look at our mission and our purpose and our goal and we have to look at consistency continuity and every kind of consequence three c's consistency community consequence there we go there we go we got it like the three c's um (laughs) but yeah and, and every consequence and how we're going to package that and how we're going to react to that Mm. and you know if you're going to embark on any communication no matter how small whether it's for your school fate or whether it's for your local shop or whether it's just to you know let people know you're having a wedding you want to have a call to action yeah exactly something to to grip onto that people can get on board with yeah and look Here's my call to action today. So I'm pointing at my little poppy. Yeah. Um, because we're coming up for, uh, you know, rem- uh, it is Remembrance Day. It's Remembrance today. Day. But yes. we have to, where are we now? Are we 10 o'clock now? 10 o'clock. So at 11 o'clock, yeah. There'll be a moment of silence. silence. Yeah, two minutes silence, yeah. Sorry, I've, I've now named dates. So no, that's <laughs> so we fine. Don't no, usually name it's dates okay. No, they can know when we're recording these. Um, that's fine. <laughs> but to me, that's a beautiful call to action mm. is the poppy. Yeah. You know, just wear the poppy. Make a donation, wear the poppy, support our war heroes, Mm. support the people who have defended your nation and show some respect. Mm. Now, if I could wear a yellow poppy for the climate, if I could show some support that way, I would. It's It's gentle. It's recognition. And it doesn't take a genius to i'm no genius but i do know what a call to action looks like and i do know what solidarity looks like and you know i'll wear rainbow for gay rights i will wear you know a poppy for remembrance day and i would do something to acknowledge i'll wear a daffodil for macmillan cancer yeah i will happily show support and that's what they need people to do and i think they had it but they're losing it and this is the thing. So tragic. Objective setting is actually a spot on point to kind of bring up at this stage in, in this conversation as well, because I'd be really keen to have a really open minded conversation with someone from this campaign, from this organization. Yeah. And I would outline from this from the get go that I, I firmly believe in in what they're trying to achieve as as a as an idea. You know, like I've mentioned numerous times. And, you know, I feel like it's obviously this is not just me, by the way, listeners and the powers that be out there kind of covering my tracks when it comes to sort of, you know, opinions. You know, we, both you and I have opinions and, and we've got them across, not vociferously, but we've got them across quite well, I think. You know, it, it's annoying, you know, to be disrupted on the roads, you know, and I, I don't agree with with that method of protest. And, I'll you know, I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say that that's something I, I believe. I, I don't I don't agree with it at all. And I don't but, believe in doing things shoddily. Yeah. I think they're just doing a shoddy job. Exactly. But and objective I settings, I, I'd be really keen to ask, you know, first of all, we define what an objective is, you know, so that we're both on the same page. And then I'd be really keen to ask them what that what, what theirs are. 
because you're so right. Surely the objective has to be to get people on board with this cause, you know, but it doesn't strike me. They've either set that objective and done it horrifically poorly, or they haven't set that as an objective. And their objective yeah. is, in fact, to disrupt. Their objective is, yeah, in fact, I mean, to garner Yeah, I mean, the guy attention. that they trotted out on GMB just went, I oh, don't care, don't care. Well, then it's clearly not their objective, is it? And the objective no. clearly has to be to get people on side. Now, if, if their opinion, which I respect everyone's opinion, you know, with some notable exceptions, give you know, give or take, <laughs> you know, there, there are some I don't agree with. But, you know, if, you know, everyone has a right to have an opinion and I, you know, I, I respect that. But if their opinion is you should just know, then, well, yeah, we probably should. You know, we probably should just know. But it's not great. I'm sorry. Publicly. But, you is know, it public facing. You and That's I not a brilliant don't worry too much take. about putting food on the table. We're lucky people. Mm. I'm sorry. When you've got somebody who is, you know, they're trying to get to work and every ounce of petrol that they use is literally eating away at their daily budget or, you know, they're not going to be concerned about, you know, not in that moment. No, no. You know, and it's, you know, and it's, 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 it strikes me as just strange. It's a strange method of just being, you know what I mean? Public, the public face of an idea, the public face of a campaign is so, so important that, that again, sort of strikes right to the core of what strategic communications are, and what's become clear, and we haven't had a chance to really chat about this, is that I think at the heart of a great strategic communications plan is obviously everyone pulling in the same direction and the messaging and the preparedness being there and spot on. But we've spoken about Richard Branson in the past, you know, having a figurehead who can also direct that and channel everyone's energy into a very clear public face. And what they've clearly done is they've sent someone out whose public face Oh, look at, way of transmitting let's talk about something message. topical we're talking yeah. about remembrance day look at dunkirk it mm. was an absolute disaster yeah but churchill managed to turn it into something that was an absolute triumph we will fight them on the beaches you know through, all this sort of stuff, through you know. communications you know exactly right and this is the thing so if you've got someone out there who's kind of saying oh well you know i a i don't care is like his strongest opinion but his kind of sub opinions are what well, you should just know anyway and why is everyone so surprised you know it kind of just adds to this kind of i don't know i'm trying to come up with that you know i love an analogy i'm trying to come up with an analogy it's like Okay, sporting analogy. Sorry, listeners, sporting analogy. <laughs> Always. Okay, so it's like every major football club in Europe, I'm going to use Europe as a, as a framework here, as a quantum, you can use a lilism there. The quantum you have I'm to talking quantum about in. You say quantum in every podcast. European football. I do, I do. It's Lyle Bingo, right? So the quantum I'm talking about is European football, okay? Now, Barcelona over the summer pulled several levers, financial levers. They sold off their naming rights they sold off their tv rights you know they now kind of sponsored by spotify uh, they're not kind of sponsored by spotify they are sponsored by spotify they've sold tv rights off for seasons to come and they were kind of operating in the transfer market which again for our listeners who aren't aware of it means you know to trade players to buy and sell players from other football teams they operated within the transfer market in the summer with a kind of a rhetoric of oh we don't really care we're just kind of doing our thing we don't care if it's not kind of ethically okay you know we're pulling levers we're getting funding in and we're going to buy all our players even though we ourselves as an entity have no money now barcelona then went and got knocked out of the champions league which is europe's premier competition you know it's where all the best teams in europe you know, operate and play their football 
uh, and it's kind of seen as the most reputable trophy to win for any European football team. Now, when they got knocked out, not that anyone publicly turned around from Barcelona and went, oh, show us some sympathy, but it was obvious that no one was going to because Barcelona kind of operated with their within their own sphere and behaved in their own way and kind of went, well, sod you. Mm. We're going to do it this way. And if you don't get it and if you don't understand it, well, that's kind of on you. Mm. Like we're doing it and there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with what we're doing. And as a result, hate's a strong word, but football fans at large, unless they happen to support Barcelona, dislike Barcelona now in a mm. way they never have before. Mm. Now, the way this analogy kind of like strings along is that Barcelona has always kind of been the football fans' football club, run by football fans. They play beautiful football. They've got a proud history. In the same way that this cause is very worthwhile and worthy and has had people on side for a long, long time. Are we in danger of the way these people behave, turning people against the cause even? I'm not sure. I mean, that quite that might be quite extreme, but some people are going to go, well, if you're going to kind of spite me in favour of this cause, why don't I spite you against it? In the same way a football fan might go, I used to really like you, Barcelona. Yeah. But the way you behave means that actually now I'm going to make it my mission as a football fan to go yeah. all over Twitter and go, I don't like you. I don't know. That's kind of a confused metaphor. Yeah, but, but I know what you mean. I think I think part of the communications problem with this is that a lot of people need to see effects mm. in front of their nose. You know, they need to see what the damage is really clearly. What When anybody gives an apop- apocalyptic, never say it, apocaly- <laughs> apocalyptic vision, people are like, yeah, 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 but it's not now. And they say, but for your children and your grandchildren, they're like, yeah, 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 but it doesn't affect me. Because everybody is too busy, at, especially at this moment, trying to survive. Mm. You know, we're we're all under great pressures, whether we're at war or whether we've got economic pressures and we've just got over a pandemic. Mm. You know, people are very much in their psyche, in the now, and mm. in the me, with this vision of climate change, it's a very difficult message to nuance mm. when you're looking at an audience that is very self-obsessed, quite rightly, because we've all gone through quite a really tough time. Yeah. So, you know, that is why it's even more important to be very strategic about how you message this. And the other thing is that that's just it's just literally occurred to me. It, this is a really small thing, really, that they've done. Is these protests are actually just a drop in the ocean compared to what has an impact on the world. And you know, the just stop oil protests have only really come to the consciousness of even just London people, let alone the rest of Britain. I mean, the rest of Great Britain won't really take much notice of protests that happen on the M25. It's just a London thing, really. It's Mm. a local thing. But this is a global problem. And really, if you're going to get your message across as a global message, you're going to be thinking a little bit more cleverly about things. You know, to not blow up the United Nations or, you know, do glue yourself to the top of the Empire State Building... That, you know, okay, that would be the sort of eco-terrorist kind of action to take on. But think about all of the great uh, communications channels that we have. Think about 
you know, going to the Elon Musks and the and the Mark Zuckerbergs and all of the big leaders and getting them on board, mm. you know, try to influence the influencers. We talk a lot in comms about our different channels, and one of those channels is real, real global influencers. Mm. So let's try and influence them, and you know, spend a little bit more time being a bit more clever about our comms. Yeah. And, and really think globally about things or lofty ambitions. You know, lots of the time I say to people, set your targets a bit higher than yeah. just yeah. this, you know, one thing that you want. Why not yeah. reach for the stars? Our world seems to be getting smaller as mm. our communications sort of, you know, go around the world 24-7. You know, it just seems to me that these small local things that do affect people's lives are pointless yeah and not sort of really looking at the gravity of the cause no they're actually taking away from the gravity of the cause no exactly right and it's why this strategic communications and setting out a plan is so so important because obviously you need to Mm. kind of think of all of these little threads these little sort of you know eventualities whatever may rise preparedness comes down to preparedness we've got preparedness now and we've got the three c's remind us (laughs) of the three c's I think it was continuity, uh, consistency, and consequences. Consequences, But also, yeah. I think we should stick another C in there for community because we've really talked about getting people on board with your cause. Yeah, exactly right. And we have built a fantastic community of we listeners have. We've to this got podcast. Lots of listeners, which, which is great. great, which is fantastic. Very, very exciting. Yeah, listeners, this has been allegedly... A podcast episode about strategic communications. It's kind of just been, well, it has. Uh, But we've also, (laughs) we've spoken a lot about a a particular news story of the day, uh, which might inform when this one goes out, in fact. Uh, Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I think we have to get out quickly. Yeah, quickly. Yeah, this one might have to go out quite quickly. (laughs) Listeners, thank you so much, as ever, for listening to uh, The Rest is PR. I'm going to do my T's and C's, my typical L T's and C's. Uh, If you would like to listen to the podcast, you can head off to our website, The Rest is PR dot com which is filling up now with all the episodes we've put out there so far and obviously we are available on all major streaming platforms including the one you're listening to us on right now uh, if you would like to hear about what demozo are getting up to jackie and the rest of the team then head over to demozo.com and if you want to get in touch with us it is info at the rest is pr.com or info at demozo.com if you agree or disagree with any of the opinions we have put forward on the just stop <laughs> oil campaign uh, we'd be very eager to hear from you uh, because that's this is all about it's all about a discussion and also if you want to be on the podcast or if you want to suggest any subjects for us then you can do so via those email addresses as well jackie same time next week 100%. wonderful stuff well, thank you so much i've been lyle she's been wonderful jackie and we'll see you next week for another exciting episode of the rest is pr bye for now